This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. You know, Ian, normally I, I, I would say under these circumstances we should be celebrating maybe pop some champagne. Uh, we have had some incredible milestones throughout our existence as Mile High Report radio hosts, co-hosts, whatever you want to call us. I mean, uh, from the great Steve Atwater coming on our show and Byron Chamberlain sharing a, a fairly intimate story about him and John Elway after uh, the second Super Bowl win and that run, and uh, guys like Brant Tobler and Brandon Quinn coming on and sharing some of their stories, Ana Cabrera, which is you know kind of a huge get. We, we've had some incredible guests. We've been able to talk about some really cool moments in Broncos history. And this is our 200th episode. This is our 200th episode. And so instead, we're going to talk about a Broncos team that gave up 15 points and lost. I think it's got to be, like, like I said, on the, in the winners and losers for my one loser it's got to be like a a sick flashback for the more experienced fans, like the the old man, your, your old man, man and, <laughs> and my mom. That's right. To the 1960s and early 70s, where the Broncos went from 1963 to 1973 without a losing season, without a winning, without a winning season. season. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was wishful thinking, right? Yeah. <laughs> my and dad now was, here we are. Yeah, here we are. I, I will tell you, the old man was telling me a story. I just told you this story. That you know, he was talking about going with his buddy John Janney to the game, and they walked forty blocks, and you know, you know, typical old man story. It's good stuff. But what he said was, I don't remember ever seeing a worse Broncos football team. This is a this is a person who has been a fan of the Denver Broncos since day one, since the inception, since since they became the Denver Broncos, saw games in Old Bears Stadium, paid 50 cents for a cup of Pepsi. And complained and, about it. And complained about it. That's right. And this is the worst football team he's ever seen the Denver Broncos put on the field. That's that's saying something. Saying a lot. It's the worst football team I've seen. 
the worst Broncos football team I've seen since I've been a fan in since I was born. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm curious though, or I'm, I'm wondering, and and I think that are we lumping in? And this is this is maybe what what he was talking about, what you're talking about, and what I'm talking about here. Are we lumping in this season with last season and the season before? If you think about it, it's been an awful three-year run. I'm not even going to include 2016. That was a team that had quarterback issues that had just come off a Super Bowl win that was trying to figure things out and sort of keep a spark alive and and maybe made the wrong choice at quarterback, and then it ended up maybe being the right choice. I don't know. I'm not even – I don't want to Well, they finished 9-7 and seven They finished 9-7. and seven. There was hope there. But the last – Two plus seasons, right? The 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 Vance Joseph era, and then the start of the the Vic Fangio era. I th- do you f- I feel like we're putting those things together at this point. And when we look at this team and we evaluate this team with our eyes, we say this is the worst team I've ever seen. This is the worst team I've ever seen in Broncos history, in my Broncos history. But I think it's a culmination of everything that happened over the last two plus seasons, right? You have the 16, 32, and then however many games were, what are we at now? Too many games at this point. I mean, we're 40 games, 40 games of, of a world of suck, right? And it, for me, I, I don't, I don't combine the three seasons now, two and a half seasons. Cause we, we now made it through week eight. This is to me, this is just, this is the worst Broncos football team I've ever seen. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about the 2017 team. I'm not talking about the 2018 team. I'm just talking about the 2019 team. This is a bad football team. It is a bad football team. And uh, to me, how anyone who is in this organization up at the top can look at this and look at what they've seen through the first eight games and think, yeah, we're there. We're close. By golly, we're just a quarterback away. How anyone can look at this and and still think that after what has transpired the last eight weeks is either fooling themselves or is completely hammered on orange and blue Kool-Aid. Or just blind. Just blind in general. Or lying to you perhaps there's there's a little bit of of spin in all of that as well hey we just need this or we just need that actually there's like 900 things you need at this point uh you know and we haven't even we haven't even got into the discussion about uh you know the broncos losing to the to the colts uh that's not even something that's that's registered in this post game recap which is really what we're supposed to be doing but it's just halfway through the season and you're looking at this team and you're thinking to yourself it's so bad, so bad, so bad in so many ways that you just, and we keep coming back. We keep coming back every week. We come back, you know, except for the bye week, which I guess I'll, I, I even come back for the bye week, right? <laughs> even I'll even watch the bye week, but it's just, it's so bad. I, I don't have any eloquent words. I don't have a, a nostalgic monologue to dive into here. This team is just so bad. And I think there's a, a, a tweet from Troy Rink with the Denver Channel in Denver, uh, the ABC Channel, 
had a tweet that I think ties into what you were saying about how when we talk about how awful the team is, this is the culmination and it's it's a combination of 2017 and 2018 on top of what we're seeing this season. And this tweet ties into that. And I read it to you before we started recording. But Troy said how quickly life has changed for the 49ers, Emmanuel Sanders, which is just weird in and of itself to say. But regardless, San Francisco scored more points in the first half against the Carolina Panthers, 27 on Sunday, than the Broncos have scored in any of their past 17 games. Yuck. <laughs> Just you know what? Good for good for Emmanuel, right? Good for E that uh, that he has landed on a contender uh, and has a shot at really and really does have a shot at at making a deep playoff run and maybe getting to go to another Super Bowl. Good for him that uh, that's where he ended up. And then also bad for the rest of us. Bad for the rest of us that that is that is the reality of the Denver Broncos right now. The reality of the Denver Broncos is that they can't score points and. Once again, we're talking about a, an offense that can't score and a defense that's really doing ev- everything that it can. And and they're not even I would even argue that the defense isn't even playing their best football and they're still finding ways to hold teams to to fewer points than at least more often than not fewer points than uh is necessary to win. You know what I'm saying? Like if if I'm on the defense and we hold our opponents to 15 points, I look across at that offense and I go, here you go. Here's a victory. Go get it. You, no, you need I, three scores. I'm I, I'm in total agreement with you because when you just you cannot win games if you're scoring 13 points. It's just you, you're not going to win in the National Football League when you can't score more than 13 points. Especially coming today's in, football. Coming into the game, the Broncos were 29th in offense in terms of, of points, 16. That's going to drop because they couldn't even reach that on Sunday. Had they reached that, they would have won. Coming into the game, the Broncos were 8th in points allowed at 19.4. That's going to get better because they only allowed 15. I, the That's def- math, by the way. You can't, you can't put this game on the defense regardless of what you think about Von Miller and the sack that he didn't get on Jacoby Brissett. And as I said in the winners and losers, I don't want to hear crap about how Von Miller let, that, let him get away and he needs to finish that up. Tip your cap to Jacoby Brissett for making an incredible play and then completing the pass to T.Y. Hilton, who made an incredible catch. Just tip your hat. This wasn't on the defense. This was on Joe Flacco, Rich Scangarello, and the offense. And I think one thing that we need to we need to talk about here is all this stuff about Joe Flacco saying that he wants Rich Scangarello and the play calling to be more aggressive on that third and five when they have the ability to win the game. I totally get it. I totally get that he wants to be aggressive. I get that he's that he's pissed off, that he's fed up, that he hates losing. I totally get it. But two things. He wasn't exactly lighting it up. He hasn't exactly been lighting it up. 
And what has he done to give Rich Scangarello any confidence at all that he can be aggressive in that situation? Well, I'll, I'll start with the answer to the second question, and that's none. Uh, and also nothing. So none and nothing, right? He's done nothing, and he's and he's done nothing, right? It's nothing. It's a whole bunch of nothing. And I, I'm going to give Joe Flacco a, a little bit of um, – I'm going to give him a small excuse here. And I said this in our Slack. Uh, I think it's the only thing I said today in Slack. Because I didn't have anything to say. But, uh, you know, when he wants to talk about being aggressive, Joe Flacco is a quarterback that if he doesn't have time to do anything, then he doesn't do anything. And this offensive line has not given him the time to dink and dunk. So what makes him think he'll have the time to do what he does best, which is chuck and pray? Because he doesn't have that kind of time. So I don't imagine that there's really any confidence, not just in Joe Flacco, but in the offensive line to be successful. And in in the players to, that need to be able to make the play, they're there. Cortland Sutton and Phillip Lindsay are there. Royce Freeman had a day. He was there. You know, there's guys that are there. But... The quarterback can't get the ball to the right players, and the offensive line can't protect the statue of a quarterback. So where does this aggressiveness come in? How how would he like Rich Scangarello to change things? Because I, I don't I'm not a football genius, but I don't see how Rich Scangarello can look at anything that this offense has done and think to himself, yeah, you know what you know what we need? We need to be more aggressive. We need to throw the ball down the field more. We need to we need to extend the field. Yeah, you do, but you can't. You don't have the time. And he doesn't have the ability. Right. You don't have a quarterback that, that can extend plays to begin with. I mean, it, this is the second game in a row where it seemed like he gets happy feet, and as soon as anyone is near him, he just chucks it. There's two plays when the Broncos could have scored touchdowns, they were inside the red zone and he completed more passes to fans sitting out of the end zone in the first four rows than he did to anybody on the team. Yes. That's going to give rich Gangarello confidence to be aggressive on a third and five to win the game or all those times against the chiefs where he had open receivers and didn't even bother to hit them because he was too busy. Oh, I'm just going to get rid of the ball because I don't want to get hit. He was seeing ghosts. Him and Sam Darnold, right? Seeing ghosts. He's been seeing ghosts all season. And I, I'm again, I'm going to give him a, a little bit of an excuse here. Part of that is on the offensive line. But if you've got an offensive line that can't block, then you've got to be able to extend plays. And if you can't extend plays, you're going to get blown up. And that's what's happening to Joe Flacco. And, and it, you know, it, it shows up on the scoreboard when your team can't crest the 13-point mark. When your team can't even reach its average total points to win a game, you only needed 16 points. That's all you needed. The defense did its job. And and you're right. I'm, I want to go back to what you said about Von Miller. He did everything he could there. He did everything he could. And Jacoby Brissett makes a great play. And here we are. Right here we are talking on our 200th episode. I'm going to complain a little bit again. And we're not celebrating a win very disappointing the other thing that bothers me about what joe flacco said is there is no introspection he didn't also say that i gotta be better right it was just i'm gonna throw my offensive coordinator under the bus and i'm not gonna say at the same point i have to be better 
I didn't exactly give Rich Scangarello confidence to be aggressive. He didn't also say that. So it seemed like to me he knows what's on the verge of happening or should happen with Drew Locke becoming active, practicing, and then starting the remainder of the eight games the Broncos play in 2019. And in a normal search, in a normal situation with a normal team and a normal general manager, that would be the case. But this is also the same guy who said that Joe Flacco is in the prime of his career. Entering the prime. As in, he's going into the tunnel, not exiting out of the tunnel. I, I mean, entering his prime? Oh, we've been watching different tape, Johnny. I don't think the tunnel's even there. I think that the tunnel has been exploded and it, there isn't a tunnel. It's just a caved-in mess of nothingness at this point yeah you can't get through that tunnel it's all broken up uh you know what else is there here i mean we can we find some positive let's do that let's find a positive here let's let's think about something that is a positive takeaway from from this disaster of a football game uh that the denver broncos played i think it's the the youth the broncos have on their roster, Cortland Sutton showed that he is the number one, uh, the number one wideout. Uh, Rocky Sin, in the parlance of Keenan Allen, Rocky Sin literally could not hold, couldn't carry it. Cortland Sutton, uh, Cortland Sutton's uh, jock, um, uh, Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, Dalton Reisner, Justin Simmons. The other thing that. I, I think we need to talk about is uh, the the Broncos defense got pressure. I mean, Von Miller had a one and a half sacks. Derek Wolf had two sacks. They were getting consistent pressure on Jacoby Brissett. Forced a fumble. They won the turnover battle. I so I, I to me those are the positives that you can take away. And then the other thing that I'm going to talk about is how. I know we're not supposed to say this about an, an opponent, but how good was it to see Adam Vinatieri miss a field goal and miss an extra point, and then, like he has done over the course of his goat career, nail the game winner? Yeah, it, it, you know it is sort of um, it's bittersweet, right? I, I kind of, you know, you look at a guy like Vinatieri, and kickers are kickers, right? You're never going to get too excited about kickers, but this is a guy who is probably deserving of a first ballot Hall of Fame bid, uh, has, what did they say, it was his 24th year kicking in the NFL. And when you think about big moments in kicking history, if if his name doesn't pop into your mind for several, several field goals that he's made throughout the course of his career, Super Bowl winning field goals, uh, AFC Championship game winning field goals, game winning field goals in the regular season, if he, if you are not thinking about Adam Vinatieri when you think about great kickers in the history of the game, then you're not then you're not doing it right, as I like to say. Then you're not doing it right. And so yeah, it, I don't want to uh, spend too much time giving him too much credit because I'm tired of uh, talking about the guy who beat the Broncos because that sort of sucked. But it is pretty impressive, and and you're right to sort of see that redemptive uh, thing. That's what sports do. Sports give you that opportunity uh, to have that moment of redemption and and no matter what side you are on the story there is a great story even if it is just a uh you know a regular season 
victory over a team that couldn't score more than 13 points. I think we're both in agreement that we think Drew Locke should not only be activated off of IR to practice, but to start yes. the remainder of the eight games. Right, Meow. So not only that, we have the trade the trade deadline coming up at 2 p.m. Mountain Time on Tuesday. Ooh, we're so, going to get to talk about that. So we'll, any moves that the Broncos make, we'll talk about on our next podcast. But this gives us the opportunity to discuss what does this game mean now for that do they now unload any vet they can get anything for as a two and six team with a lost season and clearly things need to change yeah or does elway continue to have this delusion going on where he's a quarterback or a few pieces away and joe flacco is entering the prime of his career Right. No, let me let me let me uh let me go at it in in two two ways. One, uh if you're asking me what I think John Elway will do, I think he will do the wrong thing. That's sort of where we're at on that. And then as far as unloading players, let me let me tell you what I've been doing uh today as a fantasy football owner with one of my teams. Uh one of my teams I'm I'm going to be 5 and 3 at the end of the week. Not terrible. Uh, on on sort of the the outskirts of the playoffs, right? I'm one of those teams that's going to be in the playoffs. Maybe you know I'm trying to figure it out. I have started going through the bottom three teams looking for players that they'd be willing to trade because you're not going anywhere, right? So you start looking at the team that's that's one and you know one and seven at the end of this, or or two and five at the end of this, okay, or two or two and six or whatever, right? What 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 would they be willing to give up? I'm trying to trade for guys. That's what teams are doing in the NFL right now. What teams are doing in the NFL right now is they're going through records and they're looking at teams and they're going, okay, we need, if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles, I go, we need a cornerback. We need somebody who can solidify our defensive backfield because we have a shot at going into the playoffs and and maybe making a deep run. Who out there is terrible right now and has a guy that could help us out? the Denver Broncos with Chris Harris Jr. We could use him for the rest of the year. We could use him to help us get to the Super Bowl, perhaps, probably not with San Francisco, but that's neither here nor there. And and that's a move that, it hurts to say this, that's a move that Denver should make. Or we need a defensive lineman. Derek Wolf is somebody who you could put on your defensive line. There, There is no reason that other teams in the NFL aren't already making phone calls to the Denver Broncos and saying, hey, you guys are terrible. We need a guy for a year. This is a guy who can help us out. What do you want? Let's negotiate. Get some get some draft picks. I know that there's going to be people out there that say, well, what's where is your confidence in John Elway in the draft? Well, if I look at the last two years' drafts, my confidence is higher than it normally would be. So, yeah, let's build up that draft capital. I don't enjoy saying this, but that is the reality of this football season. And I'm in total agreement. And I think that the team to look for, and I'm not basing this on any reports, just basing it on me and my eye test and what I know of the team I think should be calling John Elway about Chris Harris Jr. And that's the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's why I put it out there too. I, it's, I, I don't know. I don't know diddly. Uh, about the Philadelphia Eagles other than what I see with my eyes and that's that they need they need secondary help and they need it bad they need it in such a bad way I might even throw Bryce Callahan in just you know why not here take him he's not doing anything for us although that's maybe the bitter side of me that's probably not the best move to make the other team that I would keep an eye on is the Saints 
Because if they can get a, a person like uh, a player like Chris Harris Jr. into that secondary oh, yeah, with that's... what that offense is capable of, I mean, the, and that defense is pretty good on its own. If you add a piece like that, that might solidify the New Orleans Saints, who was my my favorite to win the Super Bowl coming into this season, and nothing has changed to deter that over the first eight weeks of the season, especially when they don't lose when Drew Brees gets hurt which is incredible, but I, I think that's another team that should be calling Elway about Chris Harris Jr. is the Saints. Yeah, I, I yeah, that would be a really good one. Uh, I picked the Eagles, and um, uh, I'm going to go back on that personally. Just I'll, I'll do it right now, and there are some things that I've seen that have made me change my mind, and one of them is the San Francisco 49ers defense. So uh, I, I actually am sort of leaning towards San Francisco at this point. Maybe we'll do like a, a, a mid-season uh, repick if, you know, just for fun, just to, just to give me a chance to do a better job. <laughs> what if the pay, what if Bill Belichick and the Patriots were to call an offer no. a second round pick? No, no, I, I, you know what? At a certain point, I, I think you have to, you have, unless Bill Belichick calls and says, uh, we'll give you a, a King's ransom for this player, you, you know, so, You've got Philadelphia on the line. They're offering you a third rounder for Chris Harris. And you've got uh, New England on the line. They're offering you a second rounder. I almost would say take the Philadelphia deal just because you don't want to help New England. You just don't want to. Um, But if they were offering you a first round pick and Philadelphia is only offering you uh, a second or a third round pick, I think you take that deal, even though it's going to be a pick that's at the end of the first round. Um, But, yeah, I'm just – not a fan of helping out teams that don't need help. The, the the Patriots don't need your help. Don't help them. The whole league should do that. The whole league should go, you know what? We're not helping you. You have nothing that I want. Just to traverse back a little bit to when we were talking about how uh, Joe Flacco didn't inspire confidence in Rich Scangarello with the play calling. On first and goal from the Colts' three-yard line, Flacco threw the ball out of the back of the end zone. On second and goal, he did it again. On third and goal, he did it for the third time in a row on a failed pass to Noah Fant. So again, yes, that's going to inspire confidence in Rich Scangarello to be aggressive on third and five when on first and first and goal from the three, you throw it out of the back of the end zone. I like that. I like that you went back to that. That was good. Um, <laughs> just, just, hey, did you need some salt in that wound? I have some. It's the large margarita chunk salt, so it really gets in there. Uh, you'll it's really, elite salt. It's elite salt. I plopped it out there and expected it to perform. That that stung a little bit. It was elite salt with elite limes. That's, that's just what it was. Oh, right, right in the wound. Um, all right. I think there's one other thing that I think puts a big bow on this giant turd that is the Denver Broncos. It's like a turd present. According to Over the Cap, and this is from Nikki Jabavala at The Athletic, the Broncos now have close to $30 million in dead money, $14 million in cap space tied to players on injured reserve, and about $17.5 million in cap space for injured but active players, Jawan James, Bryce Callahan, Will Parks, and Jeff Hireman. Two of those guys have played a combined about 20 minutes 
in the 2019 season for the Broncos. Yikes. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Broncos.